Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Uh, in our, I think now we're in our 21st year here on Voice America and very happy to be with you. This program is all about turning your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions, and that's something I'm really dedicated to do. And we always have amazing guests, and today is no exception. My guest today is Robbie Bach. He has a brand-new book. And it's a contemporary thriller called The Wilkes Insurrection. Robbie Bach is best known for founding and leading the team that created Xbox. Today, he's an entertaining storyteller and catalyzing voice who writes books and speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, strategy, and civic issues. During his 22 years at Microsoft, Robbie worked in various marketing and business management roles, including supporting the successful launch and expansion of Microsoft Office and leading the creation and development of the Xbox business. And then, as Microsoft's president of the Entertainment and Devices Division, he was responsible for the company's world wide gaming, music, video, phone, and retail sales businesses until he retired in 2010, actually 2010, right. He currently chairs the board of the Bipartisan Policy Center and serves on the National Board of Governors for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. He previously served as a board member of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committees, Sonos and Inc., Brooks Running Company, the Space Needle Inc., and a year up Puget Sound. He's the co-owner of Manini's Inc., a gluten-free pasta and baking company. And in 2015, he published his first book, Xbox Revisited, a Game Plan for Corporate and Civic Renewal. And now he's moved into moving into fiction, into this new novel, The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller. Welcome, Robbie. Patricia, thank you for having me on. and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, amazing, um, amazing history and amazing work that you've done all these years. Oh, um, well, you it's know, been. I will just say it's uh, it's you know when you think when you think back and you say, all right, I'm in college. What's my life going to be like? This would not have been the trail I uh, mm-hmm. I would have predicted, but it has been a wonderful trail nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I think my first question is: I want to get the connect between this uh, contemporary thriller and your work as a, a CEO and owner of a company on the leading edge of software development. How do these two tie in, Robbie, or do they? <laughs> well, they do. Um, so if you go back to 2000, uh, when we were starting the Xbox business, you know, you would have thought of me as the business guy helping the creative teams create Xbox. I was, the team would admit the adult in the room, and they were the uh, crazy team who had this uh, amazing idea um, to build this video game console and online game service. And, but over the 10 or so years that I worked on that business, I learned an awful lot about creativity, and it sparked some things inside me. And when I left Microsoft, I decided I wanted to write, and so I wrote a book, Xbox Revisited, which you mentioned, which is a... You know, a business and civic strategy book, and it was based on my experiences with Xbox. And from that came a realization that, wow, I really like this writing thing. And mm-hmm. so the combination of the creativity work on Xbox, plus that experience of writing a nonfiction book 
Let me in 2016 to say, hey, I want to do something that is completely out of the box and that will totally challenge all of my skills. And so I sat down to write a fiction book. All right, and this book has compelling plot twists, a rich tapestry of characters, and it's a perfect blend of callous villains, iconic heroes, and political intrigue to keep readers on the edge of their seats. So, okay, so tie all that in for us. Give us a sneak preview. So the basic, the basic plot line of the book is that there's a, a commercial airline falls out of the sky and crash lands at, at Offutt Air Force Base. And as it turns out, that wasn't just an accidental event. Uh, there was a bomb that went off on the plane and brought the plane down. And our, my main hero, who is uh, Major Tamika Smith, is in search and rescue at Offutt Air Force Base, and she has to dive into the, the flaming wreckage of the plane and rescue passengers. And from that starts a, a cascading series of events of attacks. And it turns out there's a, an anarchist on the loose whose primary goal is to create chaos and bring the country down. Mm-hmm. And Tamika and a set of other characters that you meet during the book um, both directly and indirectly band together to try to defeat um, these two, as it turns out, uh, anarchist Obeid bin Latif and uh, Ford Wilkes. And that's the story. And the story is about mm. the personal challenges they create and have to go through, as well as the challenges that the country goes through as this anarchist tries to bring the country down. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, the thing I think makes it different as a thriller, it has all the plot twists and, and excitement and action that you'd expect from a thriller. But I think the thing that makes it different, it is very character-driven. And in fact, I wrote 100 pages of the book without a plot in mind and wrote just about some of the main characters. Interesting. And what they were doing and what they were experiencing. And so you really get to know them. And, Mm. you know, Tamika Smith is now in, you know, a persona in my life, um, which I I know sounds a little weird, but, um, and people who have read it all say that the thing that that stands out for them, they love the plot, they love the storyline and the themes, but the characters are what sticks with them. Hmm. You know, as you're describing this, I, I, I feel a little bit of 9-11 in this. Is there a little bit of that? I mean, I think because of some of the planes <laughs> crashing. Ironically, well, not even ironically, but not surprisingly, um, there is a 9-11 plot connection here. Um, and to make that connection personal, I flew into New York uh, from Seattle on the morning of 9-11. Oh. And went to wow. went to my hotel at 7 a.m. in the morning. I took a red eye. Went to my hotel to catch a couple of hours of sleep before I started a press interview for the launch of Xbox, which oh. was supposed to take place four months later. Wow. And of course, I woke up from my nap to the towers um, on fire, and then eventually them coming down. Oh. And then I drove 55 hours with three other two other people from Microsoft and a friend from my church back to Seattle. And so wow. 9/11 to me is a personal experience. And I, I see it as a pivot point in our country. And that absolutely plays a role um, in the story yeah. and in the themes that come out in the book. But now you had already written the book before this happened. Correct. Uh, well, right. before, uh, uh, before 9-11, I had not, no. Um, oh, okay. So the Xbox Revisited was in 2015. Oh, it's um, the other book. was the other book. Okay, right. Yeah. And so, so at that point... Actually, so the, the thing that reminded me how much I like to write, one of the things I did on this 9-11 drive back is I wrote a travel log of what it was like to drive across 
the country the mm. day after 9-11. Mm. And, you know, we, we listened to AM radio the whole way. We listened to the memorial service they had in Washington, mm. D.C. from the cathedral on the radio live. Um, and all of these things influenced my thinking of about course. where the country is. And then, and they, and as readers will see as they go through the Wilkes insurrection, certainly played a role in, uh, in that story. That's really a fa- that's fascinating. I mean, that whole thing about having to drive back and flying in that morning, you're lucky you got in altogether, right? If you flew well, a exactly. later, you, know, you, you made you, it. You, you, you say, but for the grace of God. Um, yeah. You know, you're sitting yeah. in your hotel in Midtown after the attacks, and a, a friend of mine called me up, and he said, where are you staying? And I said, he said, I'm staying in Times Square. And he said, why are you staying there? That could be where the next attack is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a... It's a time that's easy to forget, but for me is very visceral. And part of my challenge as a writer is to bring that visceral mm-hmm. feeling to the Wilkes insurrection so that mm-hmm. people can maybe not relive it, but, but understand the emotion that comes with it. Yeah. I, I think the other question would be some of the leadership skills that you utilized at Microsoft. How did the leadership and creativity fit into the characters in this story? Yeah, you know, I, I, I uh, went to the University of North Carolina, worked in investment banking for a couple of years, went to a really good business school, always thought of myself as a leader. And then when we started the Xbox business, I realized I, I didn't know the first thing about leadership, as it turned out. Um, and that leadership is really difficult and very challenging. It was a very talented group of people, but a terribly dysfunctional team at the beginning. And I was a reasonably talented person who was not a very good leader at the beginning. And so I learned a lot through that experience. And when I, when I left Microsoft, um, part of the idea behind writing my first book, Xbox Revisited, was to pass on some of those leadership skills and talents and things I learned. And the public speaking I do, I do probably 50 talks on campuses around the country this year. Mm. Um, mm. And that's all about leadership and about strategy and about how to organize people to do difficult things. Um, so when, when it comes time to write the book, people always ask the question, so who's you in the book? And the answer is nobody. But there mm. are leaders in this book. The Wilkes Insurrection mm-hmm. has some de- definite people who have leadership superpowers. And, you know, so their challenge in the book is finding those superpowers. And, yeah. and I try to infuse the things I learned through my own challenges and personal experiences um, and figure out how that relates to the way these characters are, are figuring out their own leadership. And it's mm-hmm. what, I, what I love about the, the novel is that, while it is, you know, I, I, I set out to write a great thriller, and I, and I think it truly is a, a great thriller, mm-hmm. but it, it's more than that. It has all these other themes in it, the character themes and themes about what's going on in the country and, as you point out, leadership mm-hmm. themes yeah. that I think are powerful. And I think, you know, my next question, um, because I do a lot of corporate webinars on coping with COVID, stress management, mm-hmm. resilience, what do you say to leaders today who are in the trenches during this COVID period? Because as I do these webinars, you know, globally and across the country, I'm hearing a lot of fear um, uh, just so much anxiety everywhere. And no matter which company, I mean, it's like a common denominator for all of us. It doesn't even matter what position you're in. We're all feeling the same thing. What do you say to leaders? Uh, the, first thing, the first thing I say to leaders is um, make sure you take care of yourself. Right. Um, because yeah. it's the first thing everybody forgets. 
And if you are taking care of yourself, every person you are trying to lead will see that, know it, and will recognize that, you know, you're, um, you have your own set of problems. And so the first thing for me is take care of yourself because that inner uh, caring and that ability to sort of rise above will be an example for other people and will enable you to, to do the, the hard work. The second thing I say to them is, look, in the pandemic, you have to think about um, your organization and your people in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody thinks, you know, all really good leaders think about culture and the culture of their organization and, and how they're building that and how they're intentional about it. But now you've got, um, you know, 500, 1,000, in the case of Menini's, our company, 33 employees, all of whom are going through this journey that has nothing to do with their work. And so thinking about how you infuse that into your culture mm-hmm. and the care it takes to yeah. actually take care of your employees and put them in the best place to succeed, that is a real leadership um, challenge. And, you, and it's something you have to be super intentional about. Yeah, then, do, you, do you think communication is a big part of that? I mean, sitting down and having these team meetings where people really get to share and share openly and honestly and develop, and develop that trust. Yeah, one of the things I tell leaders just generally, forget the pandemic, is that leadership is about storytelling. And it is about being able to share of yourself and of your story so that other people, A, understand you're a human being, um, B, understand that it's okay when they have to share some of their story. And so I am a big fan of leaders who are open about what they are experiencing, what they're going through, what they've gone through in their life, um, and sharing that with their employees. Now, there are places where you you don't want to go. And there are limits to how much transparency you want into your personal life. But finding those selected stories that make a point for employees, points about resilience, points about perseverance, points Mm -hmm. about the culture of the organization, competitiveness, uh, a winning spirit, teamwork, you can pull those from your own life. And, you know, you can say the words, people don't hear them. When you tell the story, they remember it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really important, important points that you're making here. Um, All right, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but let me just, let's just do another little um, kind of a teaser about the book before we go to break. Something about the book that ties in here. Well, I think the thing that um, that ties in, let me think about this. So um, here's the thing that ties in. Tamika Smith is a search and rescue specialist. She's been in the Air Force for 15-plus years. Um, She's a lawyer by training. She's a reservist. She's committed to her country. And she goes from being the acting leader of the search and rescue group uh, at Offutt Air Force Base to try and lead a group of people in the country. And I think the thing that you have to think about, and sort of raises two points for me that I think are important. One is... Uh, we can all be leaders in different ways from different starting points. You don't have to be the CEO of the company to lead. She's a, a major in search and rescue, which isn't even, a, I would say, a major part of the Air Force, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, and, and the second thing is um, we don't know uh, how far we can take our leadership and how we can apply our leadership to what's going on in our communities. You, know, you can be a great leader at a, a corporate organization. That's super important. Um, but it's also important to think about how you can apply leadership in your local communities. And, and, and all of those things come out 
um, in this book, through Tamika, but through other characters in the book, see how people sort of rally to the cause as we face a challenge. And given, you know, all the things going on in our country, not just the pandemic, but all the things going on in our country, mm-hmm. we need those kind of what I call civic engineers uh, mm-hmm. to be doing that kind of civic work. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you bring your experience in, in terms Absolutely. of and, and, skills. And, you know, since I, since I left Microsoft, I, I, when people ask me what my title is, I say I'm a civic engineer. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And and what would you? How would you define that? If well, someone said, a civic engineer that mean, is somebody who, um, either full time or part time, decides that there are uh, things that need to be done to make our community stronger, more resilient, better places to live. Mm-hmm. And that can be in your local town. It can be in uh, a nonprofit you work with. It can be in a city or a state or even at the the federal government level. Um, there's lots of different ways for this work to go on. It can be in part-time volunteer work you do while you're working at a company. It can be the way you uh, set up your company so that part of the culture is giving back to the community. Yeah. Whatever it is that you see an opportunity to make things better around you that goes beyond just making mm-hmm. money for, your, for yourself or money for yes. your company, uh, to me Very that's good. civic engineering work. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. My guest is Robbie Bach, and he is the author of the brand new book, The Wilkes Insurrection, which is a contemporary thriller. And he is best known for founding and leading the team that created Xbox. And he was 22 years with Microsoft. All right, everyone, stay tuned. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back more with Robbie and more about Xbox and the thriller and leadership and civic responsibility when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show Hi, everyone, and we are back, and my guest is Robbie Bach, who is, I call him a renaissance man. He's done just about everything. He's best known for founding and leading the team that created Xbox at Microsoft. He also um, has published his second book, which is now a contemporary thriller, The Wilkes Insurrection. He also has a company that's a gluten-free pasta and baking company, and he talks about um, creativity and leadership and success and civic responsibility. So, Robbie, I have named you the Renaissance Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but Renaissance people were were like artists and things like that. I suppose writing counts in that category, but yes, you don't want to hear me sing, play a musical instrument, or do any artwork. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about um, Microsoft and Xbox, but I want to talk about it differently. Sure. My question is, everything is changing in, the, in a nano-instant you know, I mean, if you're if you're online, you have to learn new tools all the time. What have you seen as the major changes since you've left, and what do you see coming along? In ter- but and I mean in a positive way to help people. I know there are challenges too, but what do you see? Well, look, I think the the major change that has happened since I left is just people's persistent presence online. And I don't just yeah. mean social media, although that is uh, a big part of it. But it's more than that. We are constantly on our phones, like yeah. permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, you are or constantly texting. on. Yeah, texting. texting. You're constantly on email. If you work and you get a, me- a text message from your boss at 9:30 at night, he or she, at, at many companies anyway, expects a response. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell I tell my kids that when we we went through a little bit of a a crisis that uh, in my professional life where I I literally right before we launched Xbox resigned from the company because I felt like I was doing such a bad job and it was killing my family life and you know I I tell them this and I I said you know I, I sent my boss a, a resignation letter and then I heard back from him the next morning and their reaction was well why did it take him so long to respond mm-hmm. and you wow. know so you, you just this this sort of yeah. permanent connection thing, which is wonderful in many ways. Um, yeah. You know, we get to see photos from our kids. We get to experience what they're going through in the, during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, uh, my wife is European, so we can connect with family there. Zoom is this amazing thing and, and Teams. And if, you have Zoom, if we didn't have Zooms or Teams, imagine what the pandemic would have been like. So mm-hmm. it's a powerful set of tools, but they are changing our social life and mm-hmm. our uh, emotional uh, quotient, our, our EQ and our emotional well-being in dramatic ways. And I think we have, to, we have to figure that out. When you say they're changing our EQ, you mean the way we're communicating because we're losing touch because of COVID and we're doing things more online in terms of video conferencing and we don't have the in-presence as much? You think we're, um, are we losing oh, think, some of I, our I skill? I think it's that, but it's more, even pre-pandemic, I would have said the same thing. 
Look, the, the idea that you are permanently attached to everybody and that, you know, people watch and, and you know, you post what you eat and people yeah. see that and they know yeah. where you yeah. are and they know where you are on vacation and they can send you a text message when you're, you know, practically you're, you're on the Great Wall of China. They can send you a text message. Um, you know, that is, a, that is a dramatic difference and I think it creates a lot of comfort because you're permanently connected and I think an awful lot of emotional dysfunction. Well, and, and invasiveness, you know, I, too. I see it mostly in, in younger generations because for them it's, it's completely dialed into their life. Well, you know, but even in my generation, I'm going to turn 60 in five days, and even in my generation, you know, I see the tension that it builds in people, you know, the constant need to be connected and responding and, and doing things. It's just uh, something we have to figure out how to emotionally uh, build well, and I also so think speak. when you talk about that, it's boundaries too. Learning how to set mm-hmm. boundaries. You know, if people feel they can text all the time, anytime, any place. Then you know, then there's the boundaries of feeling invaded. So that's a whole other piece. Totally, totally agree. And and look, we're in a gener- You know, I grew up in a generation that was probably too opaque and held too many things in. Right. And we now have a generation of of Holds young adults who are too transparent. Yeah. Almost too and, much sometimes, right? Yeah, Almost and, TMI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, so finding, finding that balance. The thing I always tell people about technology is that it is, uh, it's not good or bad. Technology just is. And yeah. it gets used for good or bad. And gets applied for good or bad. And so the question for us on all this new technology is how do we apply it for good? And how do we adjust our lifestyle and change the way we do use it so that it doesn't do us harm? And, you know, that takes an intentionality that um, a lot of us, frankly, don't have. And so you have to find out how you step away from the keyboard, whatever form that keyboard is, mm-hmm. and, and think through how you organize your life a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you asked about what's coming. Well, let's, let's say make two things clear. One... You know, things are changing faster and faster. And the scary part for me is they'll never change this slowly again. Wow, it's going to get even faster. The pace of change is so quick. Mm. And so dealing with just the the pace of change by itself becomes an activity. You know, Facebook talks about this thing called the metaverse, which is a phrase I really don't like. Um, It's also, you know, it's a reference to a dystopian science fiction book that you really don't want to live. Um, so, you know, I don't love the phrase metaverse, but the idea that, you know, we're going to have um, digital elements in our life that become effectively, uh, that are virtual things that effectively become part of our life, I think that's real. And well, like it, AI, right? Artificial it, intelligence. It, I mean, well, I just hope it doesn't take our There's multiple ways it happens. It happens through artificial intelligence. It happens through this thing they called augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you play a game called, you know, Pokemon Go, that's augmented reality, mm-hmm. right? There are things that get placed in <laughs> virtual devices mm-hmm. that get placed in places. Bitcoin, you know, NFTs. These are all sort of um, digital things that are hard to grasp in terms of their physicality, mm-hmm. but which are becoming important parts of our culture, and our way of life, and how we transact, and how we interact—that to me is a monstrous shift for people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and going to be a real challenge for us to, you know, sort of understand it. And it creates generational divides that are difficult to bridge. Well, and that's where we want to stay back to basics, right? I mean, being outside, being outdoors, you know, really, I mean, the basic things that our forefathers used, we don't want to lose touch with those either. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And one of the things that has been um, a, a positive a silver lining in the pandemic uh, storm cloud has been people's realization that, you know, th- you know, the one thing they can do is go walk outside mm-hmm. and go hike mm-hmm. and go someplace yeah. and, you know, play around a golf or, you know, um, literally just walk around the neighborhood. My, my dog, uh, our dog has gotten put on more mileage during the pandemic than he did in the previous six or seven years. And because we've just become more outdoors and, and enjoying that, that respite, if you will, uh, that much better. Mm, amazing. All right, question. And I want to talk about um, your gluten-free business. I'm very interested in that because I love gluten-free food and I think gluten-free is, is healthier. What got you into that? How did that come? Because that's a whole different creative aspect. <laughs> well, when I, when I left Microsoft in 2010, uh, my best friend's a guy named Pete Higgins who actually hired me at Microsoft, and he left in 2000 or so. But when I left, I, Pete and I agreed that we wanted to run a small business together. Both our dads ran small businesses. So we wanted to buy a small business and sort of be, um, let's say, executive chairman, have a CEO who was, would be running the business, but we would be there actively engaged and helping with strategy and doing that kind of work. And for three or four years, we looked at a bunch of small businesses, and we couldn't find the right thing. And then a, somebody we both knew but didn't know well came to us with an idea, um, and it was this company, Menini's. And Menini's uh, has this wonderful gluten-free flour that they sell. And then Menini's also made, uh, and their biggest product was gluten-free pasta mm-hmm. and then gluten-free rolls, and they made it from their own flour. And that company was a, a great product, but was probably headed to the bankruptcy court. It wasn't being run super well. And so uh, Pete and I bought it in, at the end of 2014, and have been growing and building that business uh, ever since. And, you know, we're a, a national brand now. We're in Whole Foods around the oh, country. Really? Um, we're in a bunch of regional brands that are, you know, in the, in the Southern California. There are big health food grocery stores down there, the same in the Pacific wow. Northwest. There's a big grocery chain in the East Coast called Wegmans. We're in Wegmans. Oh, um, you know, so we're in a, in a bunch of different places, and we now have uh, pasta, ravioli, uh, we have tortelloni coming soon. Mm-hmm. We have pizza crust and pizza dough balls, um, and, a so other, and a few other products. So it's it's just been a it's been a fun, interesting way to keep our hands in business. And yeah. managing a small business is really hard. I mean, I, I gotta know. tell you, it's way harder for me. It's just as hard. Yeah. I should say way harder. It's just as hard as I doing know. what I did at Xbox. It's did you really ever? Did the two of you ever think about going on Shark Tank and pitching to them? <laughs> No, no, we didn't, and 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 mostly because we we don't think of this like a um, a venture startup. We think of we truly do think of it in the traditional sense as a community based small business. Right. Right. Um, and yeah. our, our offices are in the, the Kent Valley here, which is just south of Seattle. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, twenty anywhere between twenty and twenty five uh, employees who work in, in our kitchen. We have That's another, so I don't know, 10 people yeah, who are I, I think gluten-free is catching on more and more. I mean, it's really a good alternative. And, and um, 
I think it's really important. So that's also part of your civic. It sounds like that ties into your community and civic work as well. It does a little bit. I mean, Pete and I always say that, you know, we, we do Meninis because we, we wanted to make money and be a successful business because otherwise you, you can't be in business and not want to be successful and, and, and make money and be able to hire more employees and grow the business. But we also love the fact that we're engaged in a community that um, we never would have interacted with uh, mm-hmm. otherwise. And, um, you know, we'd like to employ, you know, gosh, would I love our employee base to be 50 instead of 30? The answer is absolutely yes. Um, you know, and during COVID, we spent a lot of time thinking, okay, how do we, how do we take care of our employees? How do we help them um, stay safe, stay healthy, continue mm-hmm. to, to pay them and work? Um, and so there is a lot of... Um, uh, civic and community aspects too. Mm-hmm. If you're a small business, you're in the community. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Did COVID affect your business growth? Um, yeah. It, um, in a weird way, it was actually positive. We had our strongest growth year in Menini's history that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's in part because um, people were going to fewer restaurants, so they were eating at home more. Um, it turns out pasta, ravioli, um, pizza is a comfort food. Yes. Um, so people probably ate more of that. Um, and so we worked, We had to work really, uh, it was quite challenging. Uh, we were also in the middle of automating our facility right as COVID mm-hmm. started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the, uh, all this new equipment arrived from Italy, and nobody from Italy could come to help us set it up and figure out how to use it. So we were doing all of that at the same time. But um, it was a, a good year from a business perspective, super challenging for the employees. Um, hmm. It's just a really difficult environment. You know, they've got family at home. They've got kids at home. They're trying to stay safe and healthy and come into the facility. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, we had a testing program. You, know, you have to figure out all those things. We told our employees, if you're sick, don't come to work. We'll still pay you. You've got to figure that out and how to convince people that that's actually true and that they can, mm-hmm. if they're not feeling well, they shouldn't come in, and that was the right thing to do. It's all this stuff going on while we're trying to accelerate our production. It was Super interesting. Wow, amazing. All right, we're going to take a break on that note. Amazing. My guest is Robbie Bach, who is best known for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. Today, he is an entertaining storyteller and catalyzing voice who writes books and speaks to audiences on leadership. And he worked at Microsoft for 22 years in various marketing and business management roles. And also... um, Also including in that was the successful launch and expansion of Microsoft Office and leading the creation and development of the Xbox business. And in 2015, he published his first book, Xbox Revisited, a Game Plan for Corporate and Civic Renewal. And he's now written a brand new novel that's a contemporary thriller, The Wilkes Insurrection. And Robbie, how can people find the novel and everything about what you're doing? Do they go to your website? There's, uh, there's actually two websites. They're connected. So you get to one, you'll get to the other. But uh, the book website is wilksinsurrection.com. And there is a video trailer there so you can see what the story's about. There's character descriptions. There's actually a playlist for the book, a music playlist for the book, and music playlist okay. for, for the main characters. And then my website is creatively named robbiebach.com. And uh, that has all the information about my speaking my first book and uh, uh, history of all my blog posts and uh, all the other things I'm doing. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Robbie for our final segment right after the break. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. (laughs) 
Be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio. Featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone. We are back. I'm Patricia Raskin. And my guest is Robbie Bach, and his brand new book is The Wilkes Insurrection, a contemporary thriller. Robbie Bach is best known for founding and leading the team that created the Xbox. Today, he's an entertaining storyteller and catalyzing voice who writes books and speaks to audiences on leadership, creativity, strategy, and civic issues. During his 22 years at Microsoft, Robbie worked in various marketing and business management roles, including supporting the successful launch and expansion of Microsoft Office and leading the creation 
creation and development of the Xbox business. And he was also then Microsoft's president of the Entertainment and Devices Division, which worked with, was responsible for worldwide gaming, music, video, phone, retail, sales businesses until he retired in 2010. In 2015, he published his first book, Xbox Revisited, a game plan for corporate and civic renewal. And he's been on many different committees, national boards, and he also is very involved in civic leadership. And he uh, is the co-owner of Manini's, a gluten-free pasta and baking company. So he's really done so much. Welcome back, Robbie. Good to be back. All right. Now, before I ask you about your civic work, I have to ask you the question that I'm sure everybody is thinking because they hear the word Microsoft and they think of Bill Gates. So, of course, I have to ask you a little bit about Bill Gates, how you've known him, your relationship, um, your thoughts. Well, I got to spend a decent amount of time early, relatively early in my career at Microsoft. I, I was Microsoft's first expat to go from the United States overseas. I lived in Paris for two years. And so Bill would come over to do tours around Europe to visit all of our subsidiaries. And so I was the person who would escort him around a number of those tours. So I got to know him through that. And then when I came back to the United States, I started working on Office and then eventually Xbox and spent actually quite a bit of time with Bill. And, you know, I, he is, he's such a, an interesting uh, person because he is, he is an unbelievable reader. So he, his breadth of knowledge is really, and depth of knowledge is really quite amazing. Um, there may not be a more competitive person on the planet than Bill. Um, so he's competitive about everything. And so you have to be a, you have to be somebody who's ready for that, uh, charged environment. Uh, he, as an individual, he has a very, he has a great sense of humor. He's very dry, but very funny. Um, in work, in big groups, uh, Bill was, was challenging. I mean, one of my jobs running the Xbox business when, when we had big meetings with Bill was to, to manage the meeting because Bill was very demanding um, and very straightforward about it and um, called people when they, when they didn't know their stuff. Um, and, and, you know, there was nothing wrong with that, but it was always hard for people. You know, Bill meetings were always sort of emotional for people. Mm. And what I, you know, ultimately started doing was just not having those big meetings um, and instead having one-on-one meetings with Bill where I would bring one or two people with me from the, from the group. And those meetings were amazing, and Bill was incredible, and people walked away saying, oh, my God, I just, that was, you know, the experience of my career. I learned so much. And Bill walked away and would say, wow, those guys are really smart. And it was just a better dynamic. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's one of those personalities where you have to find the right environment um, to engage with him. And, uh, you know, but again, super smart, super competitive uh, mm. Certainly a highlight of my career to have the opportunity to work with. Wow. And he didn't have a bit a big college education, is that right? Yeah, he, he? he dropped out after his first year at Harvard. Wow. Wow. So, you know, he's, you know, and yet he's incredibly well-read, and not just on, you know, technology things. He's well-read on a lot of things. But, you know, but on the technology stuff, you know, we'd be talking about silicon uh, graphics chips. And I'd bring in the guy on my team who was, you know, one of, you know, the expert on silicon graphics chips on the team, and one of the experts, you know, you'd say in the industry. And Bill would keep up with him step for step, no problem. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you know have these very in-depth te- uh, discussions about you know uh, how big the silicon was and how it worked and how what the process was to manufacture and all this stuff. Uh, you know, for me, it was just a big education. Um, but you could just see that he his his breadth and his capacity to remember things and 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 connect things was was truly amazing. Mm, what an experience! Wow. And, you know, right. like, let's 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 the one thing I'll yeah, just say. Yeah, let's move on be... to civic work and and sure. the book. How yeah. do civic work has tied into the plot story of the book? So, I have um, I've been involved with a number of. Uh, large national nonprofits, uh, three in particular. Um, the first is Boys and Girls Clubs of America. I've been a Boys and Girls Club, Amer- uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of Bellevue, Washington board member for over 20 years, and a, a national board member for almost 15 years. And so I am deeply committed to that organization, and it is about our next generation, and it is about you know the. The youth in our country who don't have a place to go after school or in the summertime don't have a place to go where they can stay safe and do meaningful uh, things and help themselves develop. So that to me is just a personal passion. It's, it's super important. And, you know, I, I think about some of the characters in, in my book and, you know, I think about, uh, you know, the fact that you know, the book has an Air Force connection, obviously. There's a Boys and Girls Club uh, on every U.S. military base in the world. And if you think about military kids, Tamika, Major Tamika Smith, my main character, is a military kid. Uh, they move around a lot. They don't have a lot of permanence in their life. And having a club at every place they go is a permanent thing. So Boys and Girls Club is a, a deep commitment. I'm also involved in the uh, – just stepped off the board at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, and, you know, there I, I'm a huge sports fan. I played tennis in college. Um, I love the – uh, what sports tells us about life and the need to be competitive, the need to be resilient, the need to be persistent, uh, the need to overcome, so to speak. Um, and, you know, Tamika, again, is a uh, Olympic-class sprinter at the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. And that plays a role in the story. And her mm-hmm. time at the Air Force Academy definitely plays a role, and her, her uh, sprinting skills play a role in, in, in the storyline. And then finally, uh, the, I'm the chair of the board at the Bipartisan Policy Center, which is an organization that gets Republicans and Democrats in the same room and says, all right, we're, we're not going to yell at each other. We're actually going to try right. to come up with a policy solution. And so they're, they're not a think tank in the sense that they don't do, like, scholarly research. What they do is write policy. Mm-hmm. And then they publish that policy and work with uh, legislative leaders. And again... One of the underlying themes in, in the Wilkes insurrection is um, our, the division we've created in our country and then the division that my, my, my bad characters are trying to accelerate. And part of Tamika's task is to try to bring people from all sides of the spectrum together mm. in, a, in, a, in a way that um, leads the country forward. Yeah. You know, as, as I've listened to this whole interview, which for me has been amazing, I think about this, and this is probably a question people don't ask you. How do you stay grounded and humble in all of this, Robbie? I mean, you've accomplished so much. How do you, again, how do you do that? Well, I think there's a couple of, well, more than a couple of things. One, uh, I have a wife and a family that absolutely keeps me grounded. <laughs> and they, 
they remind me they're 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 the folks who can every day could point out you know you could be a little better about this so there's there's for sure and that's the kind of love you need uh you have to have people around you who who know your strengths and your weaknesses and 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 love both and are able to talk about both um i think the second thing is it goes back to my parents i was going to ask you about that and your family and and your yeah. upbringing yeah, yeah my my parents were um, greatest generation. Uh, my dad fought in World War II. He was in the Navy in World War II. My mom was a dietitian who, when my, when the war ended, she married my father. She raised five kids. Mm. Uh, we're a Catholic family, raised on Catholic, leave aside the religious parts of the Catholic faith, but certainly Catholic moral uh, principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents are just part of that generation that grew up in the, in the Depression, suffered through the war, and knew that, uh, you know, that sort of put an imprint on them in their lives. And they passed that imprint on uh, to, to my, me and my siblings. Now, and, are your siblings as successful and as accomplished as you are? Uh, they all are in different ways. Um, you know, I have one sibling who uh, raised a family but is really good in math and uh, went back to be a teacher and is just retiring as a teacher, she's going to turn 70 this year and is just retiring as a teacher, and she's incredible, a great teacher. My brother was an IBM salesman for 30-plus years, won you know, practically every sales award you could win at IBM, just really mm. good at it. My, my sister is a lawyer. She was a, her specialty was uh, appellate death penalty cases, and she wow. at one point, she did all the uh, public defender death penalty cases in the state of North Carolina at one point had six or seven people on death row at the same time. Wow. Um, and so she is deeply committed to that cause and incredible at that. And then I have another brother who um, was successful in the accounting space and then went on and now is a wealth management, uh, mm. uh, owns a wealth management firm, is passing it on to his, his wow. son. So, you know, they've all, we've all oh. taken different paths. But my mm. parents would be proud. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? Well, isn't that very, I'm very honored uh, to interview you, truly. Um, and, you know, the energy and the passion and and the variety, you know, that it's not just one area. It's not just technology. It's civic. It's food. It's um, it's working together. It, it's creativity. I mean, you've, you've really brought so many different things together in all of this. Well, I, I appreciate the time to, to talk about it, and I love being able to talk about the book, obviously, but love being able to talk about the rest. And as my uh, siblings know, I, the, the opportunity to talk about them, I love talking about them. So it's, um, it's, it's well, a good it thing. I always, like I always have, tell people that. Well, now, wait a minute. We have, to, we have two more, three more minutes, so we have to complete the story. So tell sure. us about your wonderful wife and your fabulous children. Yeah, so uh, I do have a wonderful family. My wife, we've been married now uh, 30, uh, almost 36 years. Um, she's a registered nurse and certified wellness coach. Um, so she worked as a nurse until we, we had kids. Uh, she raised our family, then went back and got recertified as a, as a nurse and is now a wellness coach. So she counsels people on uh, changing habits in their life, better sleeping, better eating, uh, healthier lifestyles. She also, during the pandemic, was giving flu shots um, and going in and helping people do wellness checkups on people. Um, so she's... She's uh, uh, wonderful and put up with me for 30, 36 years, mm-hmm. so that, that says a lot. My uh, oldest son uh, played uh, 
Uh, went to Santa Clara, played professional basketball in Europe for three years, um, uh, worked at Accenture for five years, and just took a job at Amazon. And wow. so he has a, we have a one grandchild, so he has a little girl who's uh, six mm. months old, and his wife's wonderful, and uh, she works at uh, Facebook. I have a daughter mm-hmm. who's uh, just finishing business school at Columbia and is going mm. to work for HubSpot. Mm. Um, and another daughter who went to the University of North Carolina. She's the only other Tar Heel. Um, but went to the University of North Carolina and now works for a startup called Well.co in Boston and is doing super well there. So I, I, we're, you know, all employed, all out of the house, all healthy, um, several dogs and a cat and uh, <laughs> a, good, a good family. Well, wonderful. Wonderful for sharing your, your, mo- your role model story with us as well, Robbie. It's been wonderful. And again, people, uh, just tell us where they can find your book again. Uh, the book's at wilksinsurrection.com. Um, and obviously, if you want to order it, you can go on to, to Amazon or go to your local bookstore, uh, bookshop.org or Barnes & Noble, and uh, the book's obviously available there. If you read it, I'd love to have you leave, leave a review. Um, love getting reviews from people, and uh, sure. that helps, uh, helps the book going forward. Sure. Maybe it'll be a movie one day, Robbie. Well, let's, uh, that's, uh, let's hope so. I think Tamika Smith deserves the, the big screen. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for a wonderful interview. Thank you so much. And, um, Take care. All right. Stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know that you can make your dreams come true. You can find me uh, on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. If you want a copy of my newsletter, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. And if you're thinking of doing a podcast, contact me. I've interviewed thousands of people who would love to help you. Again, have a wonderful week. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.